0: moment for taylor davis first major league home run show and go with taylor davis this is the end of uh the week and we've got the best prospect in baseball connor henderson with the baltimore orioles mlb pipelines number one overall prospect and former alt site teammate of taylor davis is that is that teammate like were you technically teammates Were you guys opponents all the time taylor what was the deal there
1: no, I'd say we were more teammates than not. Like, we were in the same dugout, so we I would call us teammates.
0: Gunner, appreciate <laughs> you hopping on, man. What are your first impressions of, like, savvy, wily vet Taylor Davis at the 2020 alt site?
2: Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was really fun. Uh, it was uh, him and Adley kind of had a relationship already uh, before I got there, so then I got acclimated to him real quick, and uh, it, was, it was funny, always cracking jokes. So, yeah, <laughs> it was really fun.
0: Love it. A, um, Taylor has like this great, I don't know, almost revelation type story about you, right? Where like it almost y- you figured it out. And Taylor, I want you to recount that. And then I want Gunner's perspective on that whole thing.
1: I just remember like I remember uh, talking to Adley and like because Adley knew you were coming before I did. And, um, I, you know, I remember talking to Fuller and like the first two weeks, like you struggled those first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at Fuller and going, dude, like, I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but like, I remember looking at Fuller and Adley and I'm like, guys, like, we're going to find out like what kind of person he is. We're going to find out if, if he's going to shut down or if he's going to, if he's going to like man up and dude, like I tell everybody, like I knew from that moment, like those last two weeks at all like was a joke. And the fact that, you know. 18 months prior you were hitting high school pitching in Alabama and now you're hitting against major league pitching and like you made those adjustments and like the crazy thing you know is like at that alt site like dude we had what an hour in the cage every day so like it wasn't even like you could go sit in the cage all night like like a normal season you would you know and uh really impressive really cool said a lot about you as a person but uh Yeah, man, that was fun to watch just, like, as this – watch this kid. Bro, you were a baby watching this baby just go do this against big leaguers. It was cool.
0: Got it. What what do you remember of that, you know, alt-side experience? Like, did you feel like there was a sink or swim moment there for you?
2: Um, Not necessarily because, like you said, I mean, I was – I think I was 18 at the time. Yeah, Yeah, 18, maybe freshly turned 19. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when I first got there, I mean, that was the first time that – I've seen that caliber of pitching. I mean, in the GCL, I mean, you just see guys that throw hard, but have no earthly idea where it's going. Right. And, um, yeah, so I got there. My first at bat was, I'm pretty sure I thought saw three pitches. It was, uh, and I know the last one was like 92 mile an hour changeup. And yeah, I was like, well, welcome to it. And, uh, yeah. So I struggled for a week or two. And then, um, I felt like I finally it was able to settle down and just, uh, uh, got a lot of good work in the cage and worked really hard on all that type of stuff and was able to have some se- success towards the end of it so i felt like that was a big that was the biggest uh help to my development in all the pro ball because I mean I got to face that at like i said 18 19 years old and then when I got to double a AA and AAA, I was able to have the confidence of hey I already know I can hit it and then when I got to the big league same thing just I know I can hit it I mean I've hit off big leaguers off our own team so it,
1: was, dude, did, you, did you go to Instructs af- with Adley after after the alt site? So, yeah. like, how easy was Instructs? Like, no offense to those guys, but like, Instructs had to be easy after seeing those, like, the big league arms.
2: Yeah. After I got there to Instructs, I was swinging at the time. Uh, uh, funny story. I was swinging a 33 and a half 30. And I think I was, I don't know what it was. I either wasn't hitting it very hard or wasn't hitting very good or something. And then I, I had this bat in my truck. It's been in my truck since all of Alt all the way through uh, about halfway through Instrux. And I picked it up, and it was—I wasn't even supposed to get it. It was a 34-inch bat, but on the bat it had 33 and a half, 30 and a half. But I held it up to my bats that I knew were th- uh, three and a half, and it was like an inch or like half an inch bigger. And I'm like, "Well, what the heck? Why do I have this?" So I, one day I was like, "You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna use it." And I went and used it, and I just started going off. And I've used that same bat ever since. Are not the same bat, but same model.
1: That's like your that's like the lightning bolt. The, <laughs> the, what, it was, what was that movie called The Natural?
2: Yeah, literally. Yeah. So look, like, it could have been the bat,
0: but also it could have been the confidence that you got from the alt-site. Like, what did that yeah. do for Gunnar Henderson, the the player, in terms of your confidence level going into your first full season of minor league ball? Because obviously you come out after technically a year without like real in-game competition that's logged, and you're ripping an 850 OPS out.
2: Yeah, I mean, the going into low A, I felt like I had a lot of confidence going in because, I mean, like I said, I just got done with outside and had a good, successful last half of it. And then Instrux played uh, really well to the end. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just going into that year, I didn't really know what to expect because, I mean, I hadn't I played higher than the GCL, so. Uh, got off to a good start and then was able to get moved up relatively quick. And then I hit a, uh, over 31 stretch as soon as I got up to Aberdeen and didn't get ahead for the first two weeks. And that was a, that was, I would say the outside of the alt site, probably the biggest thing for my development is just learning how to go through that because I, it seemed like each and every day I was trying to change something one way or another, trying to feel or trying to find the one-hit wonder change, in a sense. So just being able to uh go through that and have that experience for this past year to where I felt like anytime I did have a little bit of a skid going on, I didn't change anything. And I didn't watch a single bit of video outside of maybe like a few home run videos. Um, But any, like, I did no critiquing, just went up to the box, and I was like, whatever my body's feeling today – is how it's gonna be. So I didn't go up there and try to change something or feel a certain thing, just went up there and tried to be myself and compete.
1: I've talked about how important it is in the past. We've talked in the past couple podcasts about how important it is um to like to go through adversity in the minor leagues because like the reality is it's not if you're gonna go through adversity, it's what's gonna happen when you go through adversity. And like yeah. you know, it's terrifying if the first time you do that is in the big leagues because yeah you know, the big leagues is scary as it is. So like the fact that you went through that in the minor leagues and you were able to overcome that, you know, I'm sure that process was a, was slightly easier having that happen in high a rather than in Yankee stadium. Um, yeah. You know, but uh yeah, that's funny. That's funny. You said that. Cause we've literally talked about that like two times in a row.
0: <laughs> so you have this, you know, really good 2021, you, you get rid of that over 31 stretch and then 2022 is a different animal. And that's the one that, you know, shoots you up to the top of prospect boards gets you to your major league debut, which is the most important thing. I mean, your OPS jumped 120 points. Like you were a 950 guy this past year. What clicked or like what changed in that off season going into 22? Anything?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, uh, eliminate that 0 for 31. And I'm sure a lot of numbers changed from the year before. But like you said, we got to go through it to learn from it. But the I did uh, the year before, I uh, had a lot of swing and miss or just fouling off pitches at top half of the zone. So uh went to uh, when we got to spring training in twenty or yeah twenty two, we uh we got some of those foam just uh regular light foam balls and they would exaggerate like the hoppiness of a fastball. Uh, TD would know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, and it just over exaggerated it, and that cleaned up my swing. It helped me hit that top top uh half of the zone and uh once i finally honed in on that i felt like my swing it flattened out a lot more i was able to cover whatever i was looking for low in away up and away whichever and i do that even to this day i try to do it almost every day
1: those i love those foam balls for like for one they do like it's the best pitch you'll ever see right like it's the best fastball you're ever going to see but the other reason i love them is because you can hit for hours like you're not getting crushed your hand. Like you miss yep. hit a ball. You're not getting jammed. You're not hitting the ball off the end. You're not breaking a bat. So like, dude, you can hit those balls for so long. I love that. has exactly. been a great part. That's been added to the development drive. Jack driveline makes a set. And then there's some other ones too. There's a couple other companies that make them. Um, but you just put them in a normal machine. If you have different machines, you can, but it's so beneficial.
0: So explain yeah, this to me. So. Explain this to me. Cause obviously like, you know, from a pitching perspective, we know like weighted balls, right? Those guys go yeah. through weighted ball training. What are the, like these foam balls? What do you see? They're just,
1: they're just like, imagine, uh, you know, like the old dimple balls that you used to hit with, like at batting cages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take that, make it much lighter, like very, very light and put seams on it. Take the dimples off. So it looks like a baseball, and basically, when you put it in a machine, it gives it the ability to spin more. So you can spin better breaking balls, you can spin better fastballs. Um, some are weighted slightly different to to help with that, um, but like it, they're just very light. So they, you know, they replicate pitches better. Um, it, it's like facing Jacob Degrom every single day without being worried about, like I said, like breaking your bat and your hands killing you. Um, yep. You know, one of the things that I heard Ryan Fuller and Anthony Villa talk about, like when we were there, that that uh, at the alt site, they were the two hitting guys who were obviously Ryan Fuller's the hitting coach in Baltimore, and Villa's the hitting coordinator in, for the uh, minor leagues on the on the Baltimore side. But um, one of the things they talked about was like when you train you should be training to where you're doing two things you're not getting crushed every single time you take a swing and you're not beating every like you shouldn't be succeeding every single swing if you're if you're succeeding every single swing in your work it's too easy you need to get harder same thing can be said about if you're getting crushed every swing like if it's too hard and you're not hitting every ball so like i remember them talking about like you know 75 80% like if you're succeeding 75 80% that's like a good thing and like these balls give you the ability to go like to the top, go where it's harder, and then come back down. Like we can find that a little bit easier. Um, like you said, you can over-exaggerate and go, hey, like I took three, I took 30 swings. Um, they weren't great swings, but let's just take it down a notch. Let's figure out where that is and then go back up there. Um, yeah. And I think it makes training a lot easier.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And like obviously the name of the game now for like the baseline good modern pitcher is high spin fastball. Yeah. Do you feel like that, you know, and doing that every day now helps you deal with high spin, high velo guys, which I'm sure you saw all the time in the upper minors. And of course you're going to see it every single night in major league baseball.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, the, the balls, they help my swing. Uh, but yeah, we do crank up the machine a little bit and we'll use the actual dimple balls because they're a little bit heavier so they can be shot a little bit faster not be gone everywhere. Cause Sometimes the lighter foam balls, they'll get worn down and they'll just go, start go everywhere. So I only use it for pretty much the hop and it's at a, like a certain speed. So it's not like just cranked up. But I'll use the dimple balls. That's what I'll hit for higher velo guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like my biggest thing is I mainly use the really hoppy heaters. That's what I feel like irons out my swing, if you will. So that's what if I'm ever not feeling something or I'm not feeling good, it's something that's what I usually do to just iron it out. And if I'm squaring those up with good uh launch angle, then I know my swing's in a good place.
1: You like find your baseline. I've always talked about like, you know, like at least for me, like I knew I was in trouble when I was out in front of breaking balls and getting beat by heaters. If I was on time with one or the other, I didn't panic. It was like, okay, let's make that adjustment. But if I was like, hey, I'm getting beat by fastballs, I'm early on breaking balls. It was always, let's go to the best fastball I can get. Let's get on time with that. Let's figure that out. And then my body will figure out the rest. Like we'll, we'll figure out how to, how to react the other way.
0: Yeah. So for, for the hitters that are listening to this and the hitting nerds that are listening to this, like walk me through some of your cues in your swing. Like how has your swing changed and what are you thinking about when like, Hey, something feels off. Is it with the back hip? Is it with the hands? What's going on there?
2: Honestly, last year, like, that's what I tried to avoid. Like, Because in 21, I would sit there and go down rabbit holes of watching video and thinking, oh, should my hands be here, this place, this place? Should my legs be spread this far apart? And it would just keep getting more and more. And I felt like the more I dove into it, the more things I wanted to change. And this past year, the only thing that, only one thing that I pretty much made sure I did every time was just have my hands like moving. If it's like a little tiny circle moving, just going Mm -hmm. back and forth. And whichever and whenever I stepped into the box, whichever way my body felt comfortable, that was how wide my legs were. Just I step in. If I feel comfortable at that point, then that's where I am.
1: I've said in the past, like I I believe that very few people in any sport, but especially in baseball, know what they actually do during their swing. Most people know the thoughts that get them to create something. So, like, that's why, you know knowing your swing is so important I always like the quote that always led me to this was Albert Pujols so I grew up in Jupiter and so Albert Pujols when he was young I was or when he was younger in the big leagues I was young and I remember like they had an interview with him and they were like hey how are you uh how are you doing this you know his first couple years in the big leagues it was like 330 with 30 and his response was I'm no more talented than, than anybody in this game, but I know my swing better than anybody else knows their own swing. Like he knew what thoughts made him do certain actions. And so when you know that you don't have to go worry about your mechanical adjustments, you go, okay, like what feels off. Okay. Let's make this feel different because I tell guys all the time, like, When I was going my best, I thought that I was doing a very little hand movement and a very little step. And like the reality was, if I went and watched video, that wasn't the case. I had a big leg kick and I had a lot of hand motion. But that's not what I felt like I was doing. So if I would go watch video, I'd go, gosh, dang it, dude. Like I got to fix all types of stuff. When in reality, I didn't, right? I just needed to fix that thought to get me back to to my baseline.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I'm curious who you grew up like watching and falling in love with because you're from selma alabama which is west of montgomery so like you can go see you know double a they're they're now tampa's double a but like you're south of birmingham atlanta is probably the closest major market um w- were you watching like a certain guy whether it was a brave on local tv or like you were getting down the youtube rabbit hole growing up
2: uh honestly not not too much i mean my favorite player growing up was actually randy johnson until um uh, until Corey Seager came through and then that's kind of who I resembled. So I kind of enjoy watching him, but I mean, I feel like we kind of have similar movements outside of the toe tap. I mean, we're both pretty stationary with the hands and uh, just go straight to the ball. So I feel like if there was somebody, I felt like that'd be the closest comp, but I honestly didn't watch too much video and try to like become that exact person. I just, my dad was, pretty much my hitting coach growing up because we didn't have much in selma so it's usually hitting in our garage or going to the school and he would throw us bp or some of that nature so yeah i mean not really too much growing up just i guess became my own own self in a sense
1: <laughs> i mean that's it, it showed too like if you go watch video of you at even at the alt site like you had a unique swing you had a unique setup um like you said you were very stationary <laughs> but with big power which can be unique like and and you know i think that uh it's funny you say you didn't really watch anybody because like, it looked like you were trying to be the best you every single time you went out there. And like, that's how you went after it. And that's how you attacked the day. And, um, you know, that, that makes total sense to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, back to baseball in a moment, but you were a Hooper in high school, huh? 17 and 11 wow. boards. Did I see at six two eleven 11 boards a game? What's the comp
2: there? Uh, I- Shoot, I don't watch too much basketball to really know a good comp. Uh, on a, that was just a really, really fun year for did you. Played uh, anywhere? Myself. Uh, there was some interest, but I committed to Auburn and like going into 10th grade. So, and that was my baseball is always my first love. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to be able to do it anyway. So there's,
0: Would you really no Auburn?
2: uh, I feel like if I put the time and effort into basketball that I did baseball, I feel like I honestly could have got a scholarship, but. Um, it yeah, I mean, sense. I would, I would practice like a few months leading up until the season. But if I practice year round, like I did baseball, then I, f- I feel like I'm pretty good.
0: Were you, were you like a approach, stretch guy? But, could you shoot from distance or were you just like, I'm going to go bang inside?
2: Yeah, no, I could, I could shoot. And then, uh, whenever they started to get out, then I would usually drive and I would dish it off or I could even dunk it. So,
0: oh man, I love it. <laughs> Um, hey, so y- you mentioned before we started recording that you've got a, a loaded house of talent in Sarasota yeah. right now. You're-, you're living with Adley, with Colton Cowser, and with Kyle Stowers. It takes me to the Orioles' thought. Like, you guys are going to be so good so soon. And that core of bats is absolutely insane. And l- let's start with your roommates. Like, that core moving forward. How good can you guys be offensively, like, this year?
2: I mean, I feel like we could be contenders this year. I mean, I've seen each and every one of them hit and just the way that they – just what they know about the game and how they go about certain pitchers and just – I'm able to learn from them and I uh, try and give them some advice if they need it, but usually I'm having to learn from them because they have a little bit more experience than I do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's from – last year to this year just watching in spring training it's going to be really special here i'm really looking forward to seeing how far we can go
1: yeah one cool thing that like in it you know you saw it in the old site and i didn't see all those guys but like uh you know with adley with you with with some of those guys with mckenna um malcastle like you know i think the best atmospheres in baseball like the best dugouts are not necessarily where the most learning happens it's where there's conversation and like you guys talk but like you know, when I first signed in 2011, it was like a forced thing, right? Like, guys were – coaches were in the dugouts, like, hey, talk about baseball. Like, we're only talking about baseball. You guys want to talk about baseball. You guys want to talk about what's happening, and that leads to these great conversations, and it leads to learning. Um, And, and it's a really cool thing for a group of young guys. Um, that's really important, right? Because if you had a group of, of individuals that were more focused on – on just, you know, really bettering themselves and were more in the dugout by themselves, doing this and that. Like, yeah, you guys could probably be, be good, but you wouldn't necessarily be getting better. And I think that's the scary part about you guys is like, you know, not only are you young and talented, but there's room to grow. And and uh I think that it's gonna be an exciting it's exciting to watch you guys and get to watch like day in and day out what, what you guys can do.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a, a- A big testament, I feel like, to the scouting the Orioles have because it seems like everybody that we've gotten recently, everybody's a good dude. Like outside of a great baseball player, you don't run into guys that are stuck up and just act like they're the best thing to ever come. So, it's been really awesome and a really fun clubhouse to be around. Guy they
0: got most recently, Jackson Holiday, won one last year. He he obviously you know went viral for that double in his first you know. MLB quote unquote plate appearance in in spring training, you've probably been around Jackson for a little bit this spring. What's that dude like? Like, where's the talent level there?
2: Yeah, he's he's a great dude, and um, even like the hitting coaches, they've come up and said they they see a younger, or I mean, I'm still young, but they right. see myself as I was 19 two years ago. So uh, it's really cool, and um, I feel like I can provide him with a lot of experience of what he'll go through and what he needs to expect if he goes through like a struggle or something. So I, I like being able to give him that type of experience because, uh, I mean, I'm glad I went through it, but I hope he doesn't have to go through it. But I'm sure I know everybody will at some point. So to be able to provide that experience and just knowledge of what to expect is uh, I'm really happy to be able to do that
0: you know, you guys have like this, this deep, deep system, and there's some serious top-heavy talent, right? You, Adley, uh, G-Rod, I, I'm thinking about Cowser too. Who are some of the guys that are a little bit more under the radar that just kind of wow you with what they do at the ballpark?
2: Yeah, I mean, Joey Ortiz, that's, he's been one of my best friends going through the system, and just to be able to watch him in his glove, and uh, now that the hitting is off the charts, I mean, it's He's going to be a special player. He's already a special player. Just uh, whenever he gets his chance, I know he's going to show out and just uh, show everybody what he's got.
0: Got you, man. Hey, uh, you are the number one prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, and that is as elite a fraternity as you can find in baseball. Like, I mean, off the top, Adley, Trout, Shohei, Vladdy, Byron Buxton twice like when you first found out that you were the number one prospect in the game where was your head
2: I mean I feel like growing up my parents always instilled in me to never like let anything get to your head and uh just make you or I guess be cocky in a sense I mean just put it like that but I mean yeah it was it was a real honor to be able to be the number one prospect but nothing means anything unless you go out there and prove it. So that's what I feel like I've used my mindset each and every day is to just go out there and work hard and it'll all work out the way it's supposed to. So, I mean, yeah, it's really cool. But I mean, once again, I'm going to exactly. go out there and work hard each and every day. Game.
1: You want to win game seven. You want to win the MVP. Yeah, you like exactly A little prospect sick. And I'll tell you this, like when you got to the outside, I remember, Uh, you know, before we got, before you got on, I was telling Jack, I'm like, yeah, man, this guy's good old country boy, dude. Like he's going to be great to have on here. And, and like, I remember when you got to the outside and like, I was talking to Adley and we were, you know, whatever. And then Adley at some point, you know, goes, you know, this guy had like a pretty big signing bonus. Right. I was like, come on, dude, no way. And like, you know, sure enough, like, you know, we wouldn't look and yeah, you got some money out of high school and that's really cool. But like, you can tell that, that that's how you are. And, And I, it's not surprising to me that, um, that that answer you just gave is what came out of your mouth. Because I do really think that another thing that's cool about a lot of you guys, about Adley, about you, um, Adley's calling me right now.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) um, Is that like you guys have that drive and that want to win game seven more than you want to be superstars. And that's what it takes. Like that's how you, that's how you win in the big leagues there's yeah. these teams are filled with with superstars right like you see it all around the country all around the 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 league but like at the end of the day you got to want that also like you got to want to win you got to want to you know perform like that and um it's it's a like i said man it, it is just cool to see you guys and I, like i'm biased i tell him like you guys are my buddies and i got to watch you guys so like i'm super biased but um it's a special group of dudes
2: yeah it is
0: Winning in Baltimore is is something that I think is one of the more underrated things in baseball because that place when the baseball is good is unlike any other ballpark in the game. man. like we know that's a beautiful ballpark from the jump and we know that Orioles fans will will show out when the team is good. But when the vibes are as good as they are right now, that's got to be a special place to be, man. Like what are your first takeaways of just being in Baltimore and like being a Baltimore Oriole on this young and it seems like on the come up team?
2: Yeah. I mean, when I first got drafted and was able to go and sign, I remember sitting at one of the games and there wasn't a lot of people there because it was, they're still going through the losing seasons. And I remember, I think I said this in another interview, but going through the national anthem and they hit the, uh, when everybody says, Oh, um, when I first heard that it scared me because I like jump. I was like, what? (laughs) uh, I remember telling them, I was like, I was just looking forward to being able to hear that and, to be there for opening day and just have hopefully a entire, our sold out stadium and hear that, Oh, that's, that's what I most look forward to. And just hearing that each and every day at the games. The buy-in is there, man. It, it's really fun.
0: Um, Hey, so you are always going to be like in step now with Corbin Carroll. It feels like, right? Like you guys are, are one, two on all these lists. And these are both like insanely talented players and, Carol's kind of following this trend of, you know, committing to the place that took him and he'll be there for the next eight years, right? It was eight years, 111, that pre-arb deal. We're seeing these pre-arb deals get more and more prevalent in baseball. And I'm not asking you if you've like had any dialogue about that or like if you'd be open to dialogue, but what do you feel like that does for a guy like you um, or a guy like a top prospect where the team that drafted you, the team that you have come up with says, hey- we know you've only played 30 games but we want you here for the long run.
2: Yeah, I mean that that would be awesome. I mean it's I feel like it'd be really cool to play your entire career with the team that you came up with and uh hopefully the number would show that that they would have the same interest in you as uh you have in the team and to be able to spend it with the guys you've spent your whole career with would be awesome, but yeah, I was happy to see it cuz I got to play with him in high school and or the the showcase circuit and stuff. So I got to play with him so I was really happy to he got that, and he'll be able to take care of Samuel for a really long time.
1: That's yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, there's obviously a few extension candidates on that team, so it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles handle that because you guys are, you know, you got a chance to be special for a while. And uh, we'll see if it'll be more like a Chicago Cubs special for a while or if you guys will be, you know, there for eight or ten years. But uh, that core of dudes, man, good Lord. It's cool.
0: It seems yeah. like a fun core of dudes too, and like obviously I I hear about you and Adley from Taylor all the time too. Who who like cracks you the hell up?
2: Oh my lord, that has to be Colton Kowser. He's he's the clown of the group. He's always cracking jokes, doing something funny. It's he's always always a light mood around the house.
0: Okay, so he's a big Lego guy. Does he have the like? Does he have the Legos set up in the in the spring house right now?
2: Um yeah, me and him we got into it last year. We, uh, we built a lot of like the Star Wars heads. And then right when we left from spring training, we both picked up the big uh, Millennium Falcon and built it over the course of the season. So I'm sure you got to see his built first because I was way ahead of him at the time. And then I got caught up to the big league, so I couldn't finish mine. And then he was able to beat me because uh, he, he was in AAA. And. Uh, built it there, and I just had to leave mine in my truck because I didn't have my truck for about two weeks. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: I bet he uh, would have. I bet he would have uh, traded Instagram posts with you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he said. Uh, it was, it was a good, good reason why I didn't beat him. So, yeah, I'm it, sure it, you were you pretty upset. To, was he <laughs> to, he San Houston State. What'd he say? Did
1: he go to San Houston State. Was
2: that him? He did. Yeah.
1: Yes. My, yeah. my mom. My mom went to San Houston State.
2: Really?
0: Yeah. Okay. But,
2: that's awesome. Yeah. We uh we ended up watching watching the Bearcats play some baseball every now and then at the house. So. Yeah, that's nice. Hey, right. my
1: mom actually and my cousin, my cousin went to school
2: there too as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah.
0: Um so obviously you're you're hopping on to the Lego Millennium Falcon grind it to, to get away from the game. What else do you do to get away from the game? Cuz obviously like you're in pressure pack situation after pressure pack situation. How do you get your mind off of baseball?
2: Yeah, uh usually me and some of my buddies will end up playing some PlayStation or like you said just building building some Legos. That's just kind of our uh our therapy for the night. So that's what that's what we do and uh it just gets our mind off baseball and it kind of winds us down to get ready to go to bed and uh get some sleep for the next day.
0: Taylor, I know you, you talk about getting away from the game a little bit and and you're the type that like wants to be around baseball all the time, but you know, what did you do like in little spurts to get away? It's
1: funny I got some Legos out here uh it's actually funny but uh yeah I've gotten into Legos recently there we um go. you know honestly dude like for it's a little different for me now that I got a three and a half year old you know like getting away from the game for the most part is is helping the wife uh however I can with him and uh you know enjoying as much time as I can because you know we don't get a ton just because we're at the field so much so um enjoying that time but I will say this like you know we are gone so much but one cool part about our game is that we're home for 6 months a year. So like the ability to be with my son all day every day for 6 months a year uh, months a year is really really cool also. Um but yeah, Legos have Legos have, have entered my world also, man. They're uh yeah. <laughs> they're just like they're hypnotizing, dude. Like yeah. you just like you just go and it, you know. But then I will say this too, like I'm slightly OCD, so like I'm not really sitting like I got to sit down and do it like I it's tough for me to sit down and not do it like if I'm not going to finish it I at least have to finish like a main section there's no it's way I'm gonna, yeah. uh, like a half done piece on the on the table
0: yeah Gunner, last one for me you, you're 21 years old like when you are home in Alabama you're probably hanging out with some buddies that are back from college right for, for the summer for I mean you're not there during the summer but like for Christmas break or something like that was there a moment where it hit you like, oh man, I'm an adult now. I got to grow up fast.
2: Uh, Well, I mean, I feel like in the game of baseball, it, it, yeah, it makes you grow up. But at the same time, you get to be a kid because you're playing a, a kid's game for your job. So I feel like you get the best of both worlds where you, uh, you have that time to be adult, but yet at the field, you also have that time to still bring out your inner kids. So I feel like that's, that's the beauty of baseball. And, uh, that's why I love this sport so much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think without question, like the time away gets, you know, the fact that you have these six months too, like, you get to have some sick hobbies in the off season. Like that's one cool part about baseball players is like, you see what they do during the winters and like, you know, especially, you know, you don't have a family yet. Like guys that don't have families, they get to travel and they get to, you know, buy a, buy a farm and do stuff. Like you get to just have fun, you know? Like you're lucky yeah, enough right. that you've made a little bit of money and like you can, you can have some fun in the off season. So um, I'm sure just, you know, that part of the game, like allowing you to do that has been a blessing for you. And um, it's definitely a, a cool part of, of what we like, what I like to see in the off seasons from guys.
0: Yeah. We like giving Taylor the Florida ended to just kind of like, you know, wax poetic about, about the guest. Right. And and Taylor <laughs> has nothing but positive things to say about all these dudes. And I've heard so many positive things from Taylor about you, but like Taylor here's your opportunity to say like what you really admire about Gunnar Henderson and what you've what you've grown to love about this guy
1: no man I you know I I started it by by saying that I watched him go through adversity and watching that uh, made me really trust the instincts that I had of watching him play and, and understanding that he was going to be a really special player um, you're seeing now like you know you've now talked to him and like the level-headedness is there man like you know, he's got a chance to be as good as anybody I've been around. And that's, that's a really cool thing uh, for me to see, but I I got nothing other than the fact that I really, I really want to see you play shortstop every day, man. I know that right now you guys had a shortstop. That's really good defensively, but I want to see you at shortstop, man. I I think that, um, you know, I think we're looking at an MVP every year, dude. Like you and Adley, the fun, the crazy thing is like, I think you and Adley are going to compete for the MVP in the AL East more than anybody else in the AL East is. So like, that's the sick part to me is like, I don't know who I'm going to root for. I don't know what I'm going to do here. I'm in trouble. Um, but but no, man, I, I think, uh, you know, and it's a part of your game that doesn't get talked about because you're so talented with the bat. But, like, I want to see you at shortstop every day, man.
2: Yeah, man, that's what I'm looking forward to as well.
0: Love it. Gunnar Henderson, you're the man. Really appreciate this. And uh, best of luck as you end spring and get into the regular season.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me.